You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. Joined, as always, by our managing editor, fearless leader, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I am doing well. It's a little bit of a frantic day, it sounds like, for both of us, actually. I'm uh, planning to go out of the country for 10 days, so doing uh, that tomorrow morning, trying to get everything done, but how are you doing? Oh, you know, just uh, got half my house turned upside down, trying to get uh, some renovating done. I thank God that's a once in a lifetime uh, situation. So if you hear drilling or anything, just buzz saws, you name it, that's what's going on. We'll just chalk it up to excitement for the UT football spring game, which we are previewing in today's flagship podcast because we are recording on Tuesday and the spring game will happen on Saturday night. Prime time, Taylor, <laughs> six o'clock. This is like, don't we have to work our way up to a six o'clock start for a spring game? Like, shouldn't that be where, you know, you're showcasing everything uh, in prime time when you feel like you're really ready to, to showcase something yeah, isn't it hard for fans to get to six o'clock at night? It means they got to, if they're coming in from Dallas or Houston, they got to spend the night, Taylor. Exactly. Well, you know what, though, Chip, Texas didn't have very many night games at home this past year. So maybe that's why, you know, to get the fans in the um, football stadium at, for the night game with uh, the new renovations that they did, since that was not really the case last year. You can finally see the Longhorn probably light up, though, right? The Longhorn yeah. Wednesday thing. Yeah. <laughs> And I was all excited because I got free tickets to see Bon Jovi at the brand spanking new Moody Center Saturday night. And now I can't go. <laughs> but hey, that's life in the fast lane. Enough about us. Let's move on to the Longhorns. Because there's there's a lot. I mean, Taylor, for a team, we've talked about this a little bit, for a team that is coming off a 5-7 and seven season that included a loss to two win Kansas in the longest losing streak in, in the program, six games since 1956. It was one heck of an off season for, for Steve Sarkeesian and the, and the Longhorns. Yeah. And, and now we get to see some of this. I mean, part of the, the developments in the off season, you know, we're bringing in, key transfers like Quinn Ewers and Ryan Watts, both from Ohio state, Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama, um, Isaiah Nair from Wyoming, the receiver, six foot three receiver who caught 12 touchdowns last year. And, you know, yes, they hired two up and coming high energy assistant coaches who will 
you, you probably have to look real hard on the sidelines to to find them. Uh, but still, you want to see how their positions are performing and all that. And and Gary Patterson, Taylor. I mean, uh, in addition to some of these freshmen in this, you know, Ballyhooed 2022 recruiting class, a bunch of whom still aren't even on campus yet. But right. you know, Cole Hudson on the offensive line, and and you know, some of these other um, early enrollee freshmen might be uh, getting some significant time in the spring game. So there's a lot of anticipation here. There is, there is a lot and it, it doesn't, I mean, it seems like the season chip was so long ago, honestly. I mean, it's, it's wild to think of um, how much positive momentum I would say that Texas has gained since the end of the season. And you don't really expect that when you have a five and seven season and, you know, when other teams are playing in bowl games and you're sitting at home watching them, um, that that's a, I, I mean, it, it's wild. It's probably, um, you know, not an ideal thing. I think it's probably the anomaly of a situation. This is not something that happens to very many teams or college football programs out there, but you have to take your wins where you get them when you're Texas. And there's been a lot of them since the end of the season. Now, obviously, you know, you don't want to be off season champions. You want to be in season champions. So they still got to do the work on the field, but it, it's been, it's been crazy. I mean, five and seven seems so long ago, even though it's what we're mid April right now. So it was, uh, what, four months ago or five months ago now. I mean, it's just crazy to think of everything that has happened since that really, you know, poor season and uh, year one of Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. And um, there's a lot of hope, but now you're just hoping all of the things come together and, you know, really make progress for on the field. Cause we can talk about this all we want in the off season, but if you don't win games, it's not going to always be the case that you have positivity coming out of that type of season if you're not winning. Right. And, and everyone's going to, you know, the focus of all these offseason developments, including Gary Patterson coming in from TCU, he's been like, you know, working behind the scenes, doing everything from helping oversee the winter conditioning program to um, evaluating 2023 recruits to helping with self-scout evaluation of Texas's team practices in the spring. So that's another little underlying thing that you're, you're probably going to be witnessing when you're watching the spring game, even though you're not going to know what exact impact Gary Patterson has had right. on, on, you know, the various elements of the, of the football team. Obviously you would think his expertise is on the defensive side that you'd like to see, uh, some improvement on the defensive side. Uh, stickier pass coverage is something that Steve Sarkeesian has mentioned this spring. So that brings us to Ryan Watts, the six foot three corner from Ohio State, who is seemingly locked down uh, the boundary corner position uh, that Josh Thompson had last year since his arrival um, from Ohio State. So um, we'll get little snippets. We'll get little things that even with the vanilla uh, game plan that we'll we'll get to see Taylor. And, and let's let's start there because obviously the impact transfers. When you think of transfer, you think of Quinn Ewers, mm -hmm. um, the quarterback position. And look, we heard Quinn Ewers had a dynamite first scrimmage of the spring, and 
through three touchdown passes, crazy arm angles, all that. So we'll get to see something from Quinn Ewers uh, in this spring game. And, and last year we saw uh, Casey Thompson look good right up until he threw a pick six in the spring game. And Hudson Card had the better second half in the spring game. And it sort of ended up with, you know, I mean, if you follow that trend, Hudson Card ended up starting the season and then getting replaced by Casey Thompson. So, you know, I think back to Jevin Sneed and Colt McCoy. Jevin Sneed had the better spring game heading into the um, 06 season. Colt McCoy had the better summer. Colt McCoy ended up being the guy. Jevin Sneed transfers off to Ole Miss. So sometimes you can pick up some things in these spring games, but all eyes are going to be on Quinn Ewers, and who knows, he could be throwing to Isaiah Nayer, uh, Taylor, and Isaiah Nayer has had a, a dynamite spring. He's been everything that uh, his coaches at, um, you know, his high school coaches uh, when he was at, Arlington Lamar and also um you know at Wyoming mm -hmm. and they said this guy's big time and and that's what we've heard yeah yeah absolutely and and it his path to Texas has been interesting because I think for the people that don't know you know they're probably wondering if this guy was so good why didn't Texas even you know offer him or anything coming out of high school but he was you know a late addition in playing football um you know Chip talked to his high school coach uh, a number of months ago. And if you missed that, definitely try to go through the archives at Horns 24-7 to find them because it was really insightful. But, you know, I think that there's a lot of, you know, the impact transfers, obviously, there's a number of them. And all four of the impact transfers, the Quinn Ewers, you know, Isaiah Nayer, um, Ryan Watson, Jaleel Billingsley, they've all been talked up not just from what we're hearing behind the scenes, but publicly too. And, you know, I, I'm still very intrigued to see what Jaleel Billingsley is going to be in this offense. Um, Cause I, I, I've said it, I feel like almost a broken record. I can almost see it being like a little Jordan Humphrey type of receiver S, but more of a tight end. I mean, you know, just kind of the, the, um, the versatile one, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of impact transfers that are already, clearly making an impact. What I'm curious about, Chip, is what's going to happen after the spring game? Because a lot of times, you know, um, obviously Texas still has a few roster spots available. And, um, you know, a lot of times after spring evaluation and all of that, more players may enter the transfer portal. And I still think the one place where Texas really needs an impact transfer is probably on the offensive line. And that's going to be you know, intriguing to see if there is a guy that does come into the transfer portal that the coaching staff, you know, um, ultimately goes after. But, um, you know, there's still other ones on the board. Uh, Jay Hall is another one. He took a visit to Texas this week, um, this past weekend, excuse me. And then O'Shawn Mathis, who, as we reported over at Horns 24-7, was also on campus, um, you know, so. And then also another name to Chip is Caleb Johnson, the former Texas linebacker who ended up transferring he went to ucla now he's a grad transfer and uh as we reported over at horns 24 7 it looks like he's taking an official visit coming up this week so there's a lot of guys still pieces to the puzzle that still could you know be um brought in when it's all said and done at the end of the spring semester but um you know if they if texas can get some of those guys too in addition to the already impactful transfers they have then this is just setting up this roster in a way that I don't think a lot of people expected coming out of five and seven. Yeah. I mean, 
Um, it sounds like things are trending in Texas's favor for Ajayi Hall, the um, talented but troubled um, Alabama receiver. And, and Oshan Mathis graduates from TCU uh, at the end of this month. So we're expecting his announcement to probably correlate uh, to that timeline. But he's uh, from Austin too, right? Yeah, Maynard. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So uh, that's, there's no question uh, that uh, Ojan Mathis is a guy at a position of need for Texas that the Longhorns covet. Um, and in speaking of, you know, might as well stay on the, the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned Jaleel Billingsley. And, um, you know, obviously all eyes and attention are on the offensive line for better or worse. It's, a position that needs significant improvement. It was targeted in the 2022 recruiting class, seven uh, top offensive linemen, including uh, two of the nation's best, and Devin Campbell and Calvin Banks, both of whom will arrive in June. Um, but on that offensive line is Cole Hudson, the early enrollee freshman. And uh, we reported this week that Andre Carrick has been injured. He's missed. Um, he missed at least three spring practices in the second half of spring with an ankle injury. And that's part of the reason Hayden Connor, who has been working primarily at guard, started working at left tackle. And that move freed up Cole Hudson to start working with the first team at right guard um, with Junior Angelau at left guard. And so Cole Hudson, number 54, folks, number 54 in your programs. Uh, keep an eye out for number 54 in the spring game. See what Cole Hudson, a four-star offensive lineman uh, in that 2022 class. Uh, see how he looks. See if he's getting any push. Um, for those of you who record the spring game, make a note to to look for that. Uh, I'm going to be one of those to have to record it this year. <laughs> I know. I know. And Taylor, you mentioned Jaleel Billingsley. I, I agree. I, I think he... I think Texas is going to use a lot of 12 personnel. We know that Steve Sarkeesian likes to use the two tight end, two tight end set primarily for motion purposes to try to help the quarterback determine if, if the defense is in man or zone, but Jaleel Billingsley probably going to be teamed with one of the blocking tight ends, the young guys who have, um, you know, big upside, but no experience. Jatavian Sanders, uh, numeral zero on uh on your roster and gunner helm number 85 those have been the two blocking tight ends who've uh, gotten the most uh, reps with the ones with uh, Cade brewer moving on and it's likely that jaleel billingsley will be paired up with one of those blocking tight ends uh in when texas is in 12 personnel another thing to look for in the spring game jaleel billingsley number nine I uh, can't miss them. Six, four, two, 16 smooth um, can, can catch the football. And according to Steve Sarkeesian, he's become a more willing blocker uh, with this graduate transfer to Texas. I'll believe that when I see it, but Hey, it's uh he's a weapon. He's a mismatch against linebackers um, from that tight end position. Absolutely. Especially at that position. I mean, that's, that's going to be very interesting to watch. And I, I'm going to be, 
curious, I won't see it live for the first time of my career since I will be out of the country for a wedding. But, um, you know, I'm going to, it may make, you know, if he, if he's as cracked up as he has been from what we're hearing, it sounds like he's been having a pretty solid spring. He may make the linebackers at Texas look bad. So you got to kind of keep that in mind. Um, when you watch a spring game chip, because it's kind of, it's that weird kind of balancing act where you're like, Oh wow, look how I remember last year, everyone was talking about the defensive line in the spring game because of how many sacks they got on the quarterbacks and all of that. But it, you know, it was like, well, what's wrong with the offensive line? It's like, well, clearly the offensive line was the issue because the defense, you know, uh, finished with very few sacks on the season. Um, I think it was, who was, uh, Ben Davis actually was the one who led the team in sacks and he didn't even start <laughs> or play in a lot of games. Yeah, it was so, two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half was the team high. And that was Ben Davis who came in off the bench. Um, was he, when he was like dealing with that injury, especially early on. So, um, that's always a weird thing with spring games to me, Chip is watching, you know, it sounds great if you're on one side, but then you wonder how much of this is an issue with, you know, if somebody has a great game on who was covering them or, you know, whatever it may be. So it's something to watch there. But yeah, I think that Jaleel Billingsley may make some of the linebackers look, uh, if he has a good game, make them look like they're kind of lost out there. <laughs> yeah. And you may see uh, offensive linemen going both ways in this spring game because they are lacking numbers. We mentioned mm -hmm. um, that six of those freshman offensive linemen, including Devin Campbell and Kelvin Banks will be arriving in June. So um, they've been shorthanded on that offensive line. Now you factor in Andre Carrick's uh, injury. Of course, Isaiah Hookfin had the motorcycle accident that has kept him out of spring football. So uh, thank God numbers, he's okay because that looked scary. The yeah, impact. Yeah. And he is recovering. He is recovering, and and you know plans to play football again. But you just have to wait and see how uh, all those injuries heal because he. He had him all up and down uh, his body. Um, Taylor, as we switch over to the defense, you know, up front, they're loaded. I mean, we heard Mauro Jomo say, we're three deep at tackle and and nose tackle, but they're, lo they're looking for an impact guy coming off the edge. And Baron Sorrell, sophomore Baron Sorrell, number 88 in your programs for the spring game, has really lock down that uh um oh heck i guess the is it the jack or the buck hold on a minute i don't want to get this wrong <laughs> well it's not like we've had to cover so many defenses in our careers i guess yeah. you're like what is it called this <laughs> what is this coordinator <laughs> coordinator number five call this one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh baron sorella at the jack <clears throat> position ovia gofu at the buck position and then um you know backing them up have been prince dorba and justice finkley the true freshman so justice finkley everything we've heard powerful that's the word that kind of comes to mind and and the sense is as soon as uh finkley who wears number one we talked about that yeah love those defensive linemen who you know ends who are willing to put that number one on them, they better be good. Yeah. Uh, but Finkley, powerful. So keep an eye on him. And Prince Dorba had three sacks in the spring game last year, <laughs> alluding to what Taylor said about how, you know, awesome 
the defensive line seemed to be in last year's spring game. And then we never saw Prince Dorba again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Dorba, uh, and this was one of the call outs that probably got Moro Jomo in trouble. He said, you know, looks like he's finally growing up and, you know, Prince Dorba highly recruited um, edge rusher coming out of the, you know, Dallas. And, and then, you know, like we said, big time, uh, three sacks in the spring game last year, never saw him again uh, on the field. And so uh, could he be a guy who is starting to put it all together? Uh, keep an eye on number 32, Prince Dorba in this one. And, um, and you know, those guys need to develop, Taylor, because it, it you can't keep talking about Joseph Osai and saying, right. you know, oh, remember when we had Joseph Osai? No, you've got to keep, you got to have them on the runway one after the other, those pass rushers. Absolutely. And, and I mean, everything starts up front on the defense. I mean, it, if those guys can take that next step, then it's going to make the entire defense better. You know, it's going to, um, you know, basically help at every level. And I think that it's going to be, uh, you know, Chip, one of the, the main storylines with, I think, spring on defense is the immersion of Jalen Ford at middle linebacker you know, um, him along with, you know, the play of DeMarvey and Overshawn, um, I mean, that that could be huge too. I mean, Texas, at this point, in my opinion, Chip, Texas has plenty of talent in the front seven on defense for them to help potentially the issues that may surface in the secondary because the secondary has been shifting all around, you know, with two, I mean, two of the guys that are probably going to start at uh, safety are guys that have never played the position. And, you know, there's a new corner in Ryan Watts and then Deshaun Jamison. I mean, it's I, for his sake, it's probably a good thing that Jalen Gilbo went through that suspension because he was looking like he may be the odd man out, honestly, um, prior to Gilbo's uh, suspension. But if the front seven, the guys up on the front of the defense do their jobs, it's going to alleviate the pressure that's being put on to the, the secondary, because a lot of that, you know, last season they were getting picked apart, but if there's no pass rush, then the quarterback has all day to find an open receiver is going to make any defensive back look bad. And then you had poor play in the defensive backfield too. So, you know, uh, there's, there's enough guys now to where it's like, all right, it's time to figure out if you guys are as good as your recruiting, you know, profiles were. Or if you're the guys that just get on campus and skate your way through because you just like being a Texas football player. And I think that, you know, with with the amount of talent at the in the front of the defense, it's got to click sometime. And um, you want to see it now, I think, if you're a Texas fan. Yeah, no doubt. And Jalen Ford, I'm glad you mentioned Jalen Ford because, you know, we're hearing that he's just taken over, mm -hmm. uh, that he's become the vocal leader of the entire defense, that he's playing at a high level. Uh, Moro Jomo said he's got NFL traits and he was the third leading tackler on the team last year and only had two starts. So uh, number 41, Jalen Ford is a guy who by, you know, talking to team sources is a guy they expect to break out in 2022. So keep your eye on Jalen Ford. And as you mentioned, DeMarvian Overshawn finally had a full off season to, to get stronger uh, because, you know, the past two years, it was COVID, it was a shoulder injury and moving position. <laughs> right. And I'm hearing he is playing more physical. And that is something that they absolutely need from DeMarvin Overshawn. We know he's fast, but he's got to 
He's got to be more physical. He's got to be able to take on some blocks, shed those blocks, make the tackle. Um, and then, you know, as you get into that nickel position, Jade Barron, um, who's been battling with Jaron Thompson, I'm, I'm excited to see what Jade Barron, number 23, everything we've heard, super heady player, aware is a word that I've heard um, for him. Um, we, we heard Josh Thompson say he's a guy who will echo the call even when it has nothing to do with him so that the communication is on point. And I think Jade Barron is a guy, um, number 23, and Jaron Thompson, number 28. Jaron Thompson has been bouncing back and forth from safety to nickel, and he's the only safety on the team with starting experience. He started five games last year, and from what I hear, he's really picked it up. He's uh, been battling with Keaton Crawford for that, uh, that field safety position opposite Anthony Cook, who's been working the boundary safety position. So those are all going to be fun, um, you know, things to keep an eye on as we get into the spring game. And then finally, Taylor, before we get to love it or leave it, the specialists, mm -hmm. Isaac Pearson, the latest pro kick Australia product uh, is the, is the guy expected to handle the punting duties, but we should see some field goal attempts in this spring game from the walk-ons, uh, Gabriel, Lozano and Burt Auburn, the Will Stone, the freshman scholarship kicker, is not on campus yet. He'll get here in June. So um, Gabo, they call him Gabo Lozano and Burt Auburn get a chance to to make their case on Saturday night. Yeah, they have big shoes to fill, too. Because, yeah, big uh, shoes to fill, replacing yeah. Cameron Dicker. For both punter right. and kicker as well. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, Dicker, three game-winning field goals in his career and then finishes his career as the first team all big 12 punter averaging 46.7 yards per punt so um all right taylor you ready to get to love it or leave it i am before we get to love it or leave it we're going to take a really quick break but stick around because we will have more football talk in love it or leave it as we preview the spring game so stay tuned we will be right back all right chip you ready for some love it or leave it let's go all right. My first one, sorry, I'm trying to pull it up here for you, is love it or leave it. There will be a clear-cut front runner at quarterback coming out of the spring game. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this um uh, because you know I think this uh is gonna take some time. I've said it could go all the way to the to game week, the season opener against Louisiana Monroe. Um September 3rd, simply because you've got Quinn Ewers trying to digest this offense for the first time, and you've got Hudson Card uh, trying to, um, you know, establish himself with what we hear is a, a new and improved pocket presence. I it just feels like this is going to go on for a while. So I'm going to leave this. I hope we get some highlights. I hope we get some things to talk about from both of these quarterbacks. But as far as a clear-cut front runner, I know people have in their own minds uh, the guy they think is going to win the job. You know, we probably do too, but we don't make the call. It's Steve Sarkeesian's call. So I'm going to leave this, Taylor. How about you? I'm going to leave it too. I think that – I mean, everything that you had said, you know what I mean? Um, we're, I think we're getting signs of what's probably going to play out. But you're right. I mean, we don't – you know, Steve Sarkeesian's got to make the call. And, and um, you know, I, I don't think, I think it's too early probably to declare either one. 
uh, the front runner at any point right now, just because, you know, Hudson Card had a lot to prove too. You know, it's not, yes, he had the experience, but it was kind of similar to how Casey Thompson was, you know, coming out of uh, going into the 2021 spring game. Um, you know, he had, I would say Hudson Card has shown a little bit more, but he also has shown a little bit more disappointing <laughs> of appearances, you know, where Casey Thompson just had that, that half um, of the Alamo Bowl where he, you know, really lit it up against Colorado in 2020. So uh, you hadn't really seen his, his low lights. You had only seen really his highlights, but even then, you know, I think that there's still way too much um, to prove for both of these guys. And um, that's not a bad thing though. I really don't think it is. I think that competition um, creates excellence. I mean, when, you know, that's just how it works in any, in any field, honestly. I mean, whether it's in sports or in the business world or whatever, if there's, you know, clear competition, it makes other people better and it makes people around them, you know, better too. So I think, I don't think that there's a clear cut front runner. I think there's a ways to go. Um, I do think that Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card have both had very promising moments in uh, spring. I think Quinn Ewers is obviously the one that a lot of fans are expecting to be the starter and he may, he may be, you know, we'll, we'll find that out, but I don't think we're going to find it out in the spring game. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two. All right. My second one is love it or leave it. You will see a much improved defense this Saturday in the spring game. Oh my God. I hope so. <laughs> oh my God. I hope so. Because the last thing we thought at this point a year ago was that the defense was going to be, um, giving up 31.1 points per game and 202 yards rushing per game and 5.2 yards per carry and not getting a pass rush. We thought that defensive front under Pete Kwiatkowski was going to be the strength of the team. And it wasn't so, um, you know, much improved. I'm going to leave this. I would settle for just improved. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm just not buying a lot these days. I I'm, I'm very much in a wait and see mode after last year. Um, because you are turning over a 30 year roster. You got rid of some players who probably weren't bought in, who probably were, uh, had been in a losing culture for too long and had a severe case of the, uh, ohs here we go again last year, especially on the defensive side when we saw the communication breakdown. So I would settle just for improved Taylor. I'm going to leave this. How about you? Um, I mean, it's kind of tricky because it's like, it, it looked improved, honestly, in the spring game last year, but it just turned out that a lot of it was a really bad offensive line that it was going up against. So it makes it a little tricky. I mean, I think that you're going to see improvements in the spring game. But I, as as you mentioned, I think that you've got to kind of take it with a grain of salt because there is limited depth on the offensive line. Um, you know, there's, as you mentioned, there could be guys that are going both ways or on both teams there on the offensive line just because of injuries and you know, there's still the the incoming freshmen that are not even on campus yet. So um, I will say because of, you know, I'll, I'll love it in saying because of how, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say bad because that's not accurate. I don't think right now, I don't think we know what this offensive line is. So with the questions on the offensive line, I think it's going to look like a much improved defense. 
However, I'm I, if it was this improved defense for the season, I would be in the wait and see mode and probably leave it because I just think it's more of a, you know, um, you have to be that way. You you don't want to be the one that's going gung ho on any part of the team um, when you don't consider the other you know situations that could be impacting it. Say a poor offensive line showing. So I'm going to say you will see a much improved defense in the spring game, but it does not necessarily mean that defense is that much improved going into the season, if that makes okay. sense. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> love it or leave it. Number three. All right. My third one is love it or leave it. Adding Gary Patterson to the Texas staff was the biggest development of the off season for Texas. I mean... I'm, I'm tempted to love this. Um, and as, and if Oshan Mathis ends up a Texas Longhorn, then I will really love this, but yeah, I, I, I mean, look, you gotta have players, right? You gotta have players and, and Texas certainly had uh, some key player additions via transfer this off season via, uh, you know, the high school recruiting class the 2022 class but you got to have coaches it is all about coaches i mean it's if you get the right coach your program uh takes off and we see it all the time alabama went through coach after coach after coach before hiring nick saban and now um they've built a culture so strong you can't believe it and gary patterson who has six conference championships as a head coach, more than more than Mac Brown, Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, and and Steve Sarkeesian combined uh, in their careers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with this, Taylor. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I love it because I do think Gary Patterson is can help. He can help tie up things that he sees on the defense. He can uh, help in terms of recruiting evaluations and and he's a strong presence you know overseeing things like the winter conditioning program so you know maybe i'm you know getting a little bit uh you know carried away here but i i, I have to think that bringing in a guy like gary patterson who's won 70 percent of his games as a 20-year coach at tcu um Bringing him in is a big help, huge help. I'm going to love this, Taylor. How about you? Yeah, this is tricky because I, I do agree to an extent that, you know, it's all about coaches, but you've got to have guys too. You can't just rely on a good coach. I mean, um, I, if you just, if you have Jags out there, you could have a, a coach that looks like a Jag, you know what I mean? Just a guy type of thing. And I'm not saying that's the situation for Texas now. I think that they've added a lot more talent. And so it's it's a little, I'm kind of torn because the addition of Gary Patterson was huge. I really do think it's going to, it's going to play out and pan out very well um, in favor of Texas. But if you don't have the players, a coach can, you know, coach whoever they want. It doesn't mean that they're going to get wins on the field. So I, I kind of want to leave it and say that the guys that they added this offseason were the biggest developments, like the Quinn Ewers and the Ryan Watts and the Isaiah Nayers and the Jaleel Billingsley. And as you mentioned, I mean, if Oshan Mathis comes, that could be huge. And that was definitely a Gary Patterson work there if that does pan out the way that it is. But I'm, I think that I'm going to have to just 
I'm going to leave it because I just feel like there's just been too many Jags on the Texas roster. And I feel I feel confident in the guys that they have brought in, um, especially the transfers that are already on campus. And, um, you know, there's still a lot to be seen um, once the you know normal summer enrollees do make it from the 2022 um, signing class. So I uh, while I don't want to discredit Gary Patterson, like that's the other thing I want to make sure is clear. Like, I think Gary Patterson's a fantastic coach. I think it's a huge, huge, huge addition. It's going to pay out, play out very well and pay off well for Texas. But I really think that the additions of the transfers, especially, um, makes me want to leave it and say that was the biggest development. But it's like 1A, 1B right now for me, I would say. Yeah. Like Gary Patterson's 1B of the biggest development, but I would put it the others, the players. Well, it was, it was a great offseason for Steve Sarkeesian. There's no two ways about it. And, and now we'll start to see how it looks on the field. This will be our first glimpse Saturday night. Uh, with the orange-white game, 6 o'clock. Make your plans now. Hopefully this podcast helped you uh, make some notes about what to look for, who to look for. Uh, and thanks so much for listening, everybody. And for Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. And uh, in the meantime, stay safe and keep the faith.